0: Today's episode is brought to you by Stage Door Manor. For information about their summer theater programs, check them out at stagedoormanor.com. Hey, theater people, Patrick here. Just a reminder to check out our brand new podcast, which we're making in partnership with the amazing people at Ticks. It's called Broadway Backstory, and it's a documentary-style podcast in which each episode finds out how a show developed from an idea to a full production. Essentially, we interview everybody involved and then create a 40 to 50-minute fun and in-depth documentary about how the show got made. So far for season one, we've done episodes on In the Heights, Fun Home, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, The Secret Garden, the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening, and Legally Blonde. Our season one finale, which gets the backstory of the Pulitzer Prize winning Next to Normal, premieres on Tuesday, February 21st. You can find and subscribe to Broadway Backstory wherever you get your podcasts, and you can stream episodes and find really cool bonus content at todaytix.com broadwaybackstory. Okay, now to today's show. Welcome to the Theatre People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. So normally, you guys, I'd say that today's guest, Tony winner and Broadway royalty LaShawns, needs no introduction going to introduce her, because she's up to something new that you need to know about. On February 27th, she's bringing her brand new show called Feeling Good to the Highline Ballroom. Through jazz, rock, soul, contemporary Broadway compositions, and even some original pieces, the show is a glimpse into LaChanze's life through music. I was so excited to welcome her back to our podcast, and to get to talk to her about her life and career in a way that we didn't get to the first time we had her on the show. So, let's get to it. Here's our conversation. I'm
1: beautiful. Yes, I'm beautiful.
0: Hi, Hi,
1: Patrick. How are you? I'm great.
0: You know, I was just, I was, I'm going to tell our listeners that we had a little malfunction with my equipment, but now I get to be really close to you.
1: Yes, we're very close. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing really, really well. Thank you. I, so we have to start by talking about your show that you're putting together. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to say, because your show is called Feeling Good, it's happening February 27th at the High Line. But I was thinking in reading about your show that it kind of talks
1: a bit about, it's kind of like about your life. Yes, it is. It's about my life. It's, it's actually a journey uh, through my life, through song, with song. Yes. And I was thinking, I don't know much about your
0: life. So I was wondering if I could ask you some questions that, like about before you became the Lachance that we know.
1: Absolutely. So where did you grow up? I grew up, I was born in Florida and uh, my parents were, my dad was in the military. My, I had teenage parents. And um, my mom was stay at home taking care of me. And so I spent a lot of my childhood traveling on the up up and down the East and West Coast because my dad was in the Coast Guard. And so um, I was really just close with my siblings. We were just like a very tight family. But then my parents divorced when I was 10 years old and we settled in Connecticut. With We moved up with one of my uncles. And that's when I got the buzz for Broadway and theater and fell in love with it and everything because I was so close to New York. But most of my childhood, I grew up in a very um, sort of like Afrocentric kind of family. Like there were, you know, Pirates of the People parties in my house wow. when I was a kid and a lot of Afros, a lot of soul music, you know. Wow. So I grew up with that kind of, and my parents were young, so there were parties a lot growing up. So I opened my show at that point in my life, sort of like a big party. Yeah. You know
0: how old were you at that point
1: oh god as far back as I can remember I want to say started like seven as far back as I can remember
0: and then okay so when you're a kid and you're LaShawn's and you have this like ridiculous like almost like unheard of kind of talent for a child I'm imagining what do you do do you remember identifying that you were like I'm a different kind of actor and singer than these kids I'm doing like drama club with. And how do you um, foster that? Like, what do you do to sort of like start to study it at a young age?
1: Well, my parents, my mom particularly was aware of my talent from when I was even younger than I remember. She tells this great story about the only way she could keep me sleeping late was so that she (laughs) actually wasn't me. The only way that she could sleep late in the morning without having to get up with a baby or a toddler is just by playing the records, like stacking up the forty fives, because she said if she would stack them up on the record player, they would drop and keep playing, and she would get some extra sleep. This is all in my not my memoir, by the way. And so she, I would just sit there and hum and sing and just start singing to the to the songs over and over and over. And um, I think she gave me the bug even before I knew I had it, but she nurtured my my creative talent. She would put me in any kind of extracurricular activity in the community, whether it be um, a cultural arts center where I study dance in New Haven or the drama, the local drama club for our church. I mean, just everything. And even when people came over, she would put me up on the coffee table and have me sing a song or something. (laughs) Do you have brothers and sisters? I have seven brothers and sisters. Oh, my God. And are any of them like you? I'm the eldest, so I have one brother who um, actually was a pretty famous jazz musician. He played with quite a few people who played trombone. Wow. Yeah.
0: I played trombone.
1: You did? I love a trombone. You do? I do.
0: When I was in high school, I played trombone until I think I was a sophomore in high school. And then I was like, literally, I was like, this thing is too heavy.
1: <laughs> well, we whenever we see my brother now, we say, oh, here comes Walter and his wife. <laughs> I'm meaning the trombone? Yes, the trombone is, is what? <laughs> or here comes Walter and his lady. That's what we say. <laughs> here comes Walter and his lady.
0: Now, I was reading that you, when you, at a young age, you started coming into the city to see shows. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes. The first show that I saw was Chicago. Like the original? The original with Graciela Danielle and the ensemble. Oh and I didn't God. even know because I had the album. Uh-huh. And I, once we started working together, much, you know, years later, and once on this island, I brought in my album for her to sign.
0: Can I ask you a question about her? sure what is so magic about every single person that i talk to on this podcast who knows her who's worked with her just like bows down so can you talk about her a little bit and tell us like what is so i mean i'm not questioning it by any any standard but like what is your experience with her
1: the thing about graciela danielle that makes her so unique and such an asset to our theater community is she is authentic she comes from the spirit every she trusts everything that's happening on the inside of an artist she does not want to know about you know what you brought into the room what you've been working on outside of the room yes study your lines but she likes the she likes to work organically and she basically taught me how to work organically organically how to just live truthfully in the moment and when you're working with someone like that it's inspiring it's exciting because there's no room for the bullshit. the bull oh you can swear (laughs) (laughs) there's no room for the bullshit (laughs) so you have to be present and her vision is so so uh human it's just she really has the heart she brings such a heart to her work and she pulls the heart out of you and I just love working with her, and I hope I get to work with her again. Yeah. What was it
0: like at that time? Like, what other shows did you see? What other shows stuck with you in your like formative years when you were coming in?
1: Let's see. Chicago was my first, and then I saw the, and then I saw, um, no, the Whiz was first, and then I saw the Wiz. I saw Chicago. I saw. Um, Evita. Now let me tell you about Evita, okay? The,
0: like the Patti Lapone
1: Evita? Let me tell you something about Evita. I was a little bit older, but I wanted to be Evita. And if there's a producer out there who wants to do a production with me as Evita, I just want you to know Eva Peron is sitting right here, okay? <sighs> this, is, and this is this this is is genius. I would love to play that part. That's the dream role for me. I, am,
0: I have chills all over my body. Me and every gay listening to this have chills all over our bodies. I want to do. Yeah. Um you studied though. You didn't just like come right to New York. You went, you went and like went to college, right? What made you decide to do that versus just coming here and going for
1: it? Well, I went to two colleges. I started at a HBCU. Do you know what that is? Uh, A historically black college. HBCU, yes. College and universities. They are universities that were designed, and they still exist. They're all over the world. Spelman is one. Howard Um, Howard University is one. Morehouse is another. They're all over the country. I went to Morgan State University because I grew up um, sort of, like I said, all over the place, and I wanted to go to a school where I could learn about my culture, and it was very important to me at that time to learn about black history, black culture, black arts, black everything. So I went to that university for two years, but I, the drama department, I was the star of it. And I had just come to college, so I didn't. I knew that I needed to go someplace else where I would be challenged more, so I tra- transferred out of Morgan. While I love Morgan State University, had some great firsts there, and I'll leave it to that. <laughs> but um, it was great. I love everyone there. I had a great time. I transferred to the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, and that's where I ended up and where I really learned about the voice and training my acting skills and my dancing. But I went. I was there as a dance major, believe it or not, a theater dance major. And you made your
0: Broadway debut in a dance role,
1: right? Yes, that's how I started as a theater dancer.
0: And (laughs) your show, now I was trying to read the chronology of this, the the show that you made your debut in, it started not in New York, right? It started somewhere and came here?
1: It was my summer job that went to Broadway. It was at, uh, it was, Atlantic City used to have right, these right, right. shows at the Tropicana Hotel. And it was a summer job that I had. It was in a show called Uptown It's Hot. I was third girl from the left. I was tap dancing. <laughs> I was, it was so crazy. We had one scene where the show opened. We were in silhouette at, 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 on top of a 40-foot high slide. And we would stand up there and slide oh down God. 40 feet to the stage tapping. It was insane. Today, I, I wouldn't, like, forget it. I'm not doing that eight times a week. Are you crazy? What theater was that in? Uh, it was at the... Oh, you mean when it came to Broadway? Yeah. The Lunt Fontaine. Did you do the same thing? Absolutely. What? And it ran for
0: a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> was that devastating?
1: It was to me because I left school to come do this right. big Broadway show. I left my... I told my parents. I said, I'm not going back this year. I have a Broadway show. Blah, 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 blah. And it closed and I was out of work in a month. Oh
0: so how many years later was um oh my god, oh my god, Once on the island. Can you believe I'm looking at LaShawn's and for one minute I forgot what Once on the Island was called?
1: <laughs> it was um, let's see, that was Once on the Island was the very first off Broadway reproduction that we did was in eighty nine. So that was Uptown is hot was like eighty six. So three years later but I went on the road with Dreamgirls for course. a couple years. Yeah. In between there. So I did that and I did a little bit of the Cosby show. Da, 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 da. Oh, we did. can't even talk about that anymore. <laughs> da, 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 da. Isn't that
0: tragic that we can't talk about it anymore?
1: Yeah, but I I went to the prom with Theo and I you,
0: with Malcolm-Jamal Warner.
1: Yeah, I went to the prom with Theo and I um I had a recurring character on there. I was like a high school friend and Then I ended up doing the Cosby mysteries, and so I was like in the Cosby family for a while. That
0: okay, not to like steer the conversation back to once on this island, but can you believe that was 25 years ago?
1: Uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no, honestly, I can't because kids come up to me so much, especially at Broadway Con last weekend. I must have met maybe 12 T Moons you know wow. and they're just the cutest little you know they look they all look like Timon they have that you know that look of like they're waiting for life to begin yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. they yes. all have that so it's 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 still like my precious baby of the work that I've done in my life I'm the I'm the most that's the most sacred for me is once on this island
0: Will you tell me, because I don't know a lot about it, but it's something that people talk about all the time, is Bubbly Black Girl. Oh, yeah. Will you talk about that for
1: a minute? Oh, my God. Bubbly Black Girl is, like, this amazing musical that didn't get the notoriety yeah. notoriety that it should have. If you can get the CD, go get it. We recorded it um, while I was doing The Color Purple, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, we recorded it much recorded it much later. But it is one of the funniest, most brilliant musicals I've ever ever done it was the best experience for me it's all about this girl it's it's based on the author's life kirsten childs uh she wanted to come to new york and be a dancer from california and it's all about how she was this like bubbly black girl like you know, her father and parents told her just to smile and be happy all the time and it was all about her coming of age learning that smiling really doesn't get you through what you need to get through and how she comes to New York and it's she—it's brilliant it's so funny she has all these great characters in her in, in the musical her grandmother does this like pop and peas moment where she's telling her boyfriend you know you gotta have a chick on the side and <laughs> it's hilarious and Cheryl Alexander is the person doing that and then my character I played Bubbly and you know I'm all in dance class and it's just all of these comments on racial diversity and how being a dark-skinned girl, you're not as pretty as the light-skinned girl. But it's all funny. It's hysterical. And the music is brilliant 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 it, it, it's it's one of the musicals that i think people need to they need to bring that one back junior high school column, we test your little black girl kinda insecure oh but on thursdays at 2i shoot will great because in the girls gym you got to do the skate we wear those white tennis shoes that you wear for sports and then those white snapper shirts and those little green shorts now you can be it you, you can rally
0: Do you wake up humming Hamilton and singing Sondheim? Do you dream of a place where there are Shakespeare flash mobs, happy birthday is sung in harmony, and surprise Broadway guests fill your world? At Stage Door Manor, kids from every state and six continents spend their summer totally immersed in the magic of theater. I'm sure almost all of you know Stage Door Manor, the inspiration for Todd Graff's movie Camp and Mickey Rapkin's book Theater Geek. But did you know that you've seen plenty of their alums on stage, screen, and behind the scenes? For example, Natalie Portman, Mandy Moore, Zach Braff, Robert Downey Jr., Sean Levy, and Janine Tesori all spent their summers in the Catskill Mountains of New York. Stage Door Manor produces an unbelievable 42 full-scale shows in eight on-campus theaters. And there are more than 100 classes at beginning and advanced levels. Everything from playwriting to stage combat. If it's theater, they do it. Stage Door premieres include original stage versions of Rent, Avenue Q, Andrew Lippa's The Wild Party, Woman in White, and High School Musical. Stage Door welcomes kids ages 10 to 18 and there are no auditions for admissions. They accept all levels of experience and talent and find roles for students in shows where everyone can have his or her own moment in the spotlight. Worth Magazine named Stage Door among the top 10 summer programs in the world and it's been called the Hollywood High of Summer Camps by Playbill. No wonder sessions fill up quickly. Spots are almost gone for the summer so hurry and go online to StagedoorManner.com for more info. Okay, back to the show. Okay, your show. Okay, <laughs> So I, this was your your night, your evening of music was sort of inspired by your writing of your memoir.
1: Yes, yes. I'm working on a, a memoir right now. Actually, I've been flirting with, this, with the idea of doing a one-woman show about my life for a few years now. And this concert, it was originally just like a cabaret that I did down at Joe's Pub. And then it evolved a bit, and I did, uh, I was asked to bring it down to Kennedy Center. So I did a full-scale evening of music at Kennedy Center. But I didn't weave in, I I had like sort of sprinkled my life story in here and there a little bit to sort of inspire moments, certain songs. But this time, I'm taking the entire journey um, through music based on my life every moment will be something relating to a specific period in my life or an episode in my life or a journey. a moment that i some great some not so great um but really taking the audience on the ride because i think at this point in my life i have what i know so far might be inspiring to others and and it's definitely been um inspiring to me so
0: when you were putting together your memoir and your show was were there any memories that surprised you that were so prevalent in your brain about your life?
1: Yes, I mean it's fascinating that you asked me that because i i when when you're as writers as some writers out there, you may know things come up that you're not thinking about when you're writing and um I had this one you want me to share one please. of them, okay, okay, I had this one memory of being a very small child. I think I must have been three and I sucked my thumb as a kid. Okay. So I sucked my thumb and I would rub things that were very soft. Like that was my (laughs) fixation. So if it was very soft, it's and I had a memory of sitting on a bus with my mother and there was this elderly white gentleman sitting next to me and he had the longest earlobes. (laughs) And I remember like rubbing his earlobes and my mother like smacking my hands away, saying, stop, don't do that. And the gentleman said, no, let her do it, let her do it. And for some reason, that just, that memory came to me as I was writing about living in New Bedford, Massachusetts with my mother, and I remember that bus ride.
0: Now, did I read that you guys are writing some original songs for yes, this?
1: two original songs. Who wrote them, you? I wrote one, co-wrote, with my record producer, Michael Oletuja. He's an incredible bassist and... Composer, he's brilliant. He and I are writing one. And then I wrote something with a, a bit of a a, a blues um, with Raul Midon. Actually, I have to give him the credit because I basically just wrote all the text. And I said, this is what I want it to be about. And this is what it should sound like in terms of like it should be a blues. And I just gave him all the material. And he basically wrote the song. But it's it's hilarious. And I cannot talk about it yet. But it is hilarious. It's it's a great moment in the show. So you're starting at the Highland on the
0: 27th and then you're touring, is that right?
1: I have a couple cities that I'm coming to in the spring and then um, a couple that are already set up for next year. But a part of doing this right now is to show those markets that don't know me. Because a, a lot of booking agents are coming. And if you booking agents want to come, you can all come. But How do they not know you? I take personal
0: offense to that.
1: I think they know my work as an actor and a theater performer. But as an independent artist doing a woman's show, they may not know that. So I'm bringing people into this so you can see if you like my show enough to bring it to your theater. Um, I
0: have a couple more questions about your career, but first, is there anything else we need to know about your show?
1: Uh, it's a Monday night, 8 o'clock, so all of you folks who aren't working on that Monday night, you can come down and check it out. And I would love some feedback.
0: How do you want the feedback?
1: You can tweet me. You can um, Instagram me or but tweet to me or you know, inbox me, whatever. I just want some feedback. Perfect. With, and my director, Tamara Tooney, who is brilliant. I don't know if you know How, Is she a TV actor? Yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's been working. 24. For, yeah, 24. Um, SUV, uh, yeah, you know, Law yeah. & Order. Um, I think she's on Better Call Saul right now. She's a brilliant actor, but she's a very sensitive director as well. So she's directing this. Amazing. And my musical director is Marco Peguia. And he and I met on If Then. Um,
0: did you see the revival of The Color Purple?
1: I did. I did. How does that
0: work when somebody like, so you, you know, won your Tony Award for it, of course. Then they bring this revival back so quickly. How were you excited
1: about that? Or like, what was your take on it coming back so fast? Honestly, I was a little, um, how can I say this? I I was surprised that it was coming back so quickly because I was still reveling in the fact that I was in it you know so I still felt very much a part of the production so but I had heard about the the company in London I had heard about that production and I had heard about the young woman playing Seely, Cynthia Arrivo. I had heard that she was doing an amazing job so when they brought it over here I thought it was just going to be that company and it was just going to be something different but it was a genuine revival on Broadway so um, I was a little taken by surprise, but I was happy that the show still had a life, yeah. you know. Um, but I did see yeah. it. I didn't see it when it first opened, but I saw it a little bit later because I was doing If Then on the West Coast. Oh, right. So when I when when I came back, I went to see it. Yeah. Yep, and I thought she. I thought the performances were just incredible. I think Cynthia Erivo is very talented, and and um, uh, I can't. I'm blanking on um the young woman who is in Orange Is the New Black. Oh. Dan- Daniel, uh, Danielle, Brooks. that's right. Danielle was brilliant. I saw Danielle, and I saw Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, so I saw that very yeah. early on. I saw that, so I, you know, I enjoyed seeing it again. Um, seeing the reimagination, imagining of it, I, um, I thought was interesting. But yeah, I'm happy that it had had another life.
0: Can I ask you a question just about you being you? Sure. <laughs> One of the, one of my favorite people I've gotten to know over the course of like interviewing these different people for these podcasts is Montego Glover. Yes. And I know she understudied you in the in your company of the color purple, right? Is that right?
1: Um I think she came in after I left after you left,
0: yeah, oh, okay, well, I was gonna ask you just about like when you're you and you're such a star and you're so like you have this pedigree of like all these shows that you've been in, people must be intimidated to meet you, like you must be a lot of people's hero, and how do you handle that?
1: what's so funny is once you do get to know me, you find out that I'm very silly <laughs> and that I love to be this silly person backstage and i'm the I'm the one who um plays the practical jokes. Really? I'm the one that dances in the wing before you go on stage. I'm the one that's standing in the wing when you look off stage, just trying to make you laugh. So that's not
0: professional,
1: Lashawn. So unprofessional. Don't ever do that. It's a horrible thing. Don't ever do that. But um, so you know, I, I try to make everyone as comfortable as possible when I get to know them. And I've been fortunate enough to have some very talented young women around me that are coming up and. Just brilliant and wonderful, and I tried I, one thing I know about having had this career and working in so many shows with so many people is when you get to a certain place in your career, people do look up to you and you have to set the tone and um The first thing I do when i 'm in the company is make everyone as comfortable as possible, and like working with adina yeah. she's another one she yeah. she and I bonded immediately on if then we've, had, we've we're still friends we hang out a lot, but um She's another one. We set the tone. We yeah. try to make everyone comfortable and let them know that th- we're just working. you know. I barely know who that is. <laughs> okay. <well. laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's <has> dark hair. <laughs> She's like a belter. <laughs> Green at one time.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah. How
0: is life post if then? You were with that show from the very beginning to the very end, right?
1: You know, we're still really tight. It was such... I gotta say, Once in a Silence cast is, is one of my favorite. Where I'm pretty tight with a lot of those cast members. But if then... That is one of the tightest companies I've ever been in. We we had the best time. I got to tell you, everyone in that company I'm still good friends with. Um, it was just a really good good time, and um, the work was good. It evolved a lot from when we first did it. You know, it was it turned into something completely different from when we first started. But in the end, it still is a brilliant musical, and um, I just loved work getting to know Adina and working with Anthony and. James and Jen and Tamika and Mark, and I could just go on. And, I love Tamika. Yeah, Tamika's great. She's
0: incredible. Um, last question. What advice do you have for young people starting out trying to make their way in this business?
1: While you may be super talented and excited about being here in New York and very emotional about your journey, don't forget about the business.
0: Can you expand on that? What do you mean?
1: Make sure that you're being mindful of um just the business aspect of it read learn about when you're going into an audition read about the director get to know what the director what he's done know the producers that you're working for compare salaries make sure you know what the role is worth you can find out all of this information through your unions through um, online information. Now, there's so many outlets now, but you are a product. You are a brand, and you have to be mindful of managing your business. It's very important to know that early on. I think what happens is People get out here in the world and they're so excited to be on stage. They don't save their money. They don't think about growing. They don't think about their future. They don't think about longevity. And in, and if you look at the careers that you admire, the long, the people have had careers because they've been monitoring their business as well. And you have to manage your life, your career. Good manager. you got to be a good manager as well as a good performer. Can I just, okay, last, last, last question.
0: When you're a lead in a musical and, say, you're Elphaba, and you're a lead in a musical and you're say like a a uh, uh, an at, like a character that has like fewer songs and not as much stage time, is there a different pay scale for that? Uh
1: well it depends. Um it's 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 it depends. It depends on what you're doing on stage. If you have like a breakout moment and may you, say you're not on the stage the entire time, but you have a moment that's um like just a huge moment in the show and everyone's waiting for that big moment or it gets, or, and it gets a lot of attention. There are things that you can do. Like you can get, um, you can get writers that will pay you something separate from the base scale, you know, for that, you know, you can say, well, I am adding this to the show. I would like to be compensated for this particular, uh, element that you may bring or but these kinds of things you can learn about but you just have to read and study and look and see what other people are doing because in all the information's out there you can get it so
0: LaShawns it's such an honor thank you for doing this it's so nice to see you again nice to
1: see you too Patrick and
0: good luck with your show I'm gonna come
1: thank you I can't wait to see you there okay bye. Bye bye bye
0: Before we sign off from today's episode, I want to spend exactly three minutes and eight seconds with my dear, dear friends, Robbie Roselle and Nika graf Lanzaroni. Those two are putting together a one-woman show for Nika, which is happening on Thursday, February 23rd at 7 p.m., and they're here to tell you all about it. Um, hi, Nika graf Lanzaroni and Robbie Rozelle. Hi there.
3: Hi.
2: You guys are putting a show together.
3: We sure are.
2: We're making nice things.
3: We're making nice things that hopefully will make you think nice things and laugh.
2: <laughs> Whose idea was this
0: show?
3: The idea to do a show at all was Robbie's, and I was like, I need a hook, because I can't really do anything unless I have a hook. And then I sort of went away in my brain for a while and came back with the hook and was like, okay, I figured it out. Let's write a show. What's the hook? So the hook is, it's called Hero Worship, um, and it is a, a large and varied celebration of the things and people that I love and am most inspired by, plus jokes. Um. <laughs> uh,
2: so she she sent me uh, a, like a Google Doc because she lives in the Google Doc world. That was like a list of, these are everything I love. It was uh, like a, a puke list, really, of anything that came out. And s- some things on there, I was like, yeah, there's no way to do this Um, Sid Charisse was on that list. And like, how do you do that at 54? But, um, Victor Borga, who is a really brilliant comic and musician is on that list. And we found a way to work him in relevant to what we do. Um, musical theater her family which I mean talk to her about her family because she's theater royalty so we've talked about this before is this thing
3: I feel like your listeners um, are quite familiar with me talking about my family (laughs) are they so tell me
0: a little bit about the show hero worship it's like the people that you love and adore so does that range from celebrities to just like regular people that are in your life yes And how how are you paying tribute to them?
3: Well, you'll have to come find out, won't you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Give us
3: right. Did I do it right? Did I do the plugging thing right?
0: Give me one example of something that, like, a bit that you guys are working on.
3: Well, yeah. So we're doing um, a great big family medley where we once and for all explain who everybody is and how they're related and how all of those people are related to me through the songs that they have sung on the Broadway stage. The The Broadway. Um, and Robbie, as director and, like,
0: co-conceiver, I guess, like, what's your role in all this? Um, I,
2: my favorite thing to do is say, I want to hear, I want to make something fun with you. Um, usually I gravitate towards the lady and say, let's, I, let's go make something fun and make our people laugh for an hour and a half. And so I say, what, uh, what story do you want to tell? And then we roll up our sleeves and do it. And to insert jokes in that i'm gonna be writing jokes up until she walks on stage honestly i'm gonna to turn to her two minutes before like bruce Valange, and say this just happened slip it in here's the joke uh what are the like what what types of like music are we gonna be hearing
3: all types of music yeah. i am even singing some show tunes all right well what are the dates when when can the people come see you it is thursday february 23rd at 7 p.m that's the date <laughs> <laughs> love you guys Bye.
1: Bye. Get down into do the
3: Stage Yeah! Theater
0: People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks again to our sponsor, Stage Door Manor. For more information about their summer theater programs, check them out at StagedoorManner.com. Special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Rosell, Ty Williams, and Cynthia Wallach. You can make your pledge at patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast. Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Eric Emch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back next week with Dear Evan Hansen's Rachel Bay Jones. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.
1: A funky little moment when